This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, the employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, What's good, man? My host, Jim Pruitt, a.k.a. Farm D and and I'm bringing you another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. I have a special episode for you guys today, and this is going to be our combination episode, really going over our Pharmacy Friday Pearl that was just released. And today, we're going to talk about hypokalemia and cardiac arrest. Hypokalemia results from one or more of the following, whether it's going to be a decrease in dietary intake, shift into the cells, or increased net loss from the body. Now, some of the symptoms that you can see Prior to cardiac arrest are going to include weakness, fatigue, paralysis, respiratory difficulty, muscle breakdown, constipation, paralytic ileus, and leg cramps. However, severe hypokalemia may lead to life-threatening cardiac conditions such as VTAC and asystole. In the classical teaching is that cardiac arrest with non-shock rhythms, the management include the identify and treatment of your H's and T's. And that's going to include your hyper and less commonly hypokalemia. Of course, with this, potassium chloride is going to be a therapy of choice. However, the dose and administration of potassium during cardiac arrest is controversial and limited to case series and case reports. So let's move forward to the pharmacology. That we're going to see for potassium chloride and cardiac arrest are going to be anywhere from 10 to 20 milliequivalents as the initial dose followed by your institutional protocol or guidance from your ED and ICU clinicians. But the AHA guidelines recommend this quote to administer potassium chloride at two milliequivalents per minute, followed by another 10 milliequivalents over five to 10 minutes. And of course, the onset can be rather rapid. The thing that we have to remember is that we're not going to have that increase in potassium that we would traditionally see with more traditional repletion. So we can see pretty profound increase in your serum potassium, but just knowing that if you're already disallowed to go into cardiac arrest, you're going to have some total body potassium losses that are much greater than we can think of. One thing to remember is that once you get ROS, potassium chloride is renally excreted, of course, about 85 to 90%, and it's removed by dialysis. Some things for my nursing staff and my pharmacists that administer meds to consider is that it's going to be compatible with almost everything that we utilize in cardiac arrest. Magnesium, calcium, epi, amiel, lidocaine, vasopressin, they're all fine. And I, I'm going to leave my little tidbit on lethal injection because by now you're probably freaking out saying, Jimmy, you're telling me to give potassium chloride over five to 10 minutes and a dying patient. You must think I'm stupid. And you can have people say, well, you can't make him deader. Or you can have those people say, I'm not going to push something that's close to being a lethal injection. But one thing to remember, the dose in the administration really does matter quite a bit in this, guys. So when we're talking about the lethal injection, we're talking about anywhere from 80 to 80 plus milliequivalents of sodium chloride undiluted, given as IV push over a few minutes. And the interesting thing is that not only does the lethal injection contain potassium chloride, but it's also going to have some type of sedative agent and they also use a paralytic. What we found was a few studies that actually showed that sometimes they have to give two, three doses of potassium chloride to actually induce hyperkalemia to produce cardiac arrest. 
And there was a big case that happened in Florida quite a while back that led to them just completely removing potassium chloride out of the guidelines and completely removing chemical asphyxiation as a way of capital punishment. Most part, you're not going to really do much damage, I would say, in the average patient that is truly hypokalemic if you're doing what the AHA guidelines say to give that 10 mil equivalent, which is, again, about a tenth of the dose that they would use in the lethal injection. So for all the people out there that want to send me hate mail saying I'm promoting you guys to use the lethal injection, you're not doing it. That's not the complete combo of drugs that are used. But enough about that. Let's get into some of the studies. Let's look at a few small case reports that shows this happening because I'm pretty sure you're asking yourself, I'm not going to do this if this has never been done before. So a few of the studies I'm going to look at, I'm going to butcher the names as I always do, guys. But Abdulazid did a case report in 2012 and they had a 23-year-old woman that presented in DKA. They had an actual potassium level of 1.7. This patient then went into cardiac arrest, and what they did was administer potassium chloride 40 milliequivalents via central line. Now, they mentioned that they gave this as a rapid bolus. They didn't really say the exact speed of what they gave, but again, just knowing that this wasn't the traditional repletion that we would see with uh, the 10 milliequivalents over over, 10, over an hour or the 20 milliequivalents with a central line. This was going to be a much more profound, much more rapid in administration of the infusion. And what they saw was immediate reversal of asystole and return to sinus rhythm. So they got ROS. And the more important thing is that after they did this, after they got ROS, we don't just have someone who didn't have a good neurological outcome. This patient had a full recovery with no residual deficit. So I think that's something that's really cool and just promote more research. And again, the problem is with potassium chloride in cardiac arrest, it's going to be very hard to get your RCT. You're not going to get anything like the paramedic too. So that's one thing to consider. So let's move forward to this next case report done by Lou and colleagues. They had a 21-year-old with a past medical history of hypothyroidism, and they was in thyroid toxicosis, and they had a potassium of 1.5, which is crazy. And of course, that patient did go into cardiac arrest. And what they did was due to the nature of the situation, they decided to administer an IV bolus of 40 milliequivalents of KCL via the central line. And what they found was that they got ROS with stable hemodynamics at eight minutes post KCL administration. And it was about a 30 minute total time of CPR. Cool thing was this. This guy was extubated on the next day and discharged without any complications after a total of a five day hospitalization. I thought that was another cool study. But I thought this was a very interesting case report. Again, another study giving a bolus of 40 milliequivalents of KCL. And this is the 40 milliequivalents per 40 ml. So this may be blacktop uh, potassium, which are shown to never leave the pharmacy. So I'm almost curious to see how they actually got a hold of that. I'm thinking about the traditional 10 milliequivalents per 50 or 10 milliequivalents per 100 ml backs that I have in my shop. Um, but I was intrigued by this. However, let's just move forward and look at the ACLS guidelines. And I want to read exactly what they said because the wording was pretty intriguing. So they report if cardiac arrest from hyperkalemia is imminent, i.e. malignant ventricular arrhythmias, rapid replacement of potassium is required. Give an initial infusion of 2 milliequivalents per minute followed by another 10 milliequivalents IV 
over five to 10 minutes. So this is that rapid administration that we're talking about. And I think some of the things that can get confusing with all this is whether we're talking about IV bolus or we're talking about a rapid infusion because the time frame is rather quick. And if you're giving a slow IV push, that's two to two to five minutes. This is going to be over five to 10 minutes. So I think that's something that can really cause some confusion in the middle of a cardiac arrest. And I think that you really have to have great communication if and when this does occur and, and making sure that your actual lab is correct. Most of us are using point of care testing and it's notorious for pseudo hyperkalemia, but not necessarily with hypokalemia. So that's something to be intriguing to figure out how accurate is this testing? Can you get two blood samples and have it going? But again, from the cases I've been in, that may be challenging. So I think when this does occur, I think having a really good history and figuring out, does this make sense for the disease state from what we know prior? If we know anything prior, these people can just present to you refractory V-fib or refractory V-tac, and you're just in a bad shape. Or you can have a patient that potentially has a pulse, but are continuously getting shocked, continuously having distress if they have a CD or some type of device that's shocking them internally. So this is going to be a really tricky situation. And I think something that we should talk about. So as you guys listen to this, I, I challenge you guys to go to your shop, talk to people around you, talk to your nursing staff, talk to physician staff, and just talk to other pharmacists and figure out, okay, if this does happen, what are we going to do? Because the guidelines say to do this, but there are so many things that actually are going to be involved in this. And I think it's going to be pretty intriguing. Could, do your pump even allow you to type in potassium chloride and give that quick? You may have to do a basic infusion and just put the volume that you want to give over that time frame. So there's a ton of discussion that needs to happen to make this actually happen. Are you squeezing this bag in? So again, this can really be complicated, but I want to bring this up and show you guys some data. People are doing this. This is something that can be beneficial for the right patient that actually has hypokalemia. This is the, one of the ways that we can save them. The last thing I'm going to throw out there is the fact that this is not something that is completely foreign, especially when you start talking about shops that have a CVICU or a CCU that deals with tons of open hearts, uh, that deals with cabbages and things of that nature, and patients that get put on bypass, and more commonly, patients that get put on ECMO. So again, people are using cardioplegia that contains a large concentration of potassium to prevent these arrhythmias from happening. So again, this is not a stretch from all of that, but again, this is a conversation I challenge you guys to have, and I think it would be a pretty cool thing to figure out what other people are doing and how to make this the best scenario when it does happen. Because again, usually you guys listen to our episode and I get probably four or five messages after an episode, people saying, hey, you just talked about this on Friday or Tuesday and this happened to me yesterday. So thanks for doing it. But again, I challenge you guys to talk about this prior to it happening. But guys, I'm going to go ahead and shut it down right there. Again, very cool topic. Very intriguing thing. I love cardiac arrest and this has happened to me before and I've squeezed a bag of 10 milliequivalents in before and we did get rods, but a host of other things that could have led to that. This is all cool. So go check out the show notes. Um, check out the Pharmacy Pearl, of course. Talk to your team about this. And if you guys want a lot more involvement, if you guys are really intrigued and really want to see some of my premium work that we're doing here, uh, head over to the PACU. Again, that's Pharmacy and Acute Care University. That's my premium uh, membership website that we kind of dive a little deeper than these little 10 minute episodes or traditional episodes and dive a little deeper into all these things. So definitely go check that out. Pharmacy slash acute care university dot com. 
or you guys just go to the show notes. It's on every website. They're all connected now. So go ahead and check that out. And you guys know how I close every show. You don't have to work in a pharmacy. You don't have to work in an ED. You don't even have to be in a pharmacist. But everything you do, make sure you farm so hard. We out of here. We out of here.